questions, there's also a booth back there. But basically, anybody that's 30-ish, uh, so um, you know, some people my age might claim to be 30-ish, and you guys would probably let us in. But uh, you know, they're they're uh, gathering together. It's just a great group of people uh, getting together and just uh, kind of fellowshipping together, getting to know each other, enjoying community together. So they're going to meet at 10:30 this morning downstairs where we have coffee and lattes. Also, there's a fundraising lunch as well for those kids going to camp this summer. So I encourage you to jump in uh, and grab some food. It's a good day for that. Uh, it makes you think of camp when you look outside. It's a beautiful summer day. Uh, we're going to look, first of all, I just want to read the scriptures we're going to look at today. It's in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And... Uh, We'll go from there. Genesis 50, verse 15. And it says, When Joseph's brothers, this is verse 15 to Genesis 50, saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph should bear a grudge against us and pay us back in full for all the wrong which we have did, done to him? And so they sent a message to Joseph, and they said, Your father charged before he died, and he said, Thus you shall say to I'll try that. Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgressions of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgressions of your servant, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came, and they fell down before him, and they said, Behold, we're your servants. And Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for I am I in God's place. And as for you, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you. I will provide for your little ones. And he comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them. Father, we come to you this morning, and, I, and God, I just pray that, um, that you would speak to us by the power of your Spirit. I, uh, I really trust that you got this. I have nothing really to offer, um, just weakness and humility. And I come and just surrender this time to you, and I pray, God, that you would speak to every single person in here, that you would move, that you would be the, the God that gets the glory for our time together, and we'll just uh, praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've been looking at the life of Joseph, and we're, we're kind of coming to the end of this, this, this season uh, of looking at Joseph's life, and, and I kind of was trying to figure out how to, uh, to give you something that just is really simple, but it's something that you can really hang on to. And so this week and next, we're going to look specifically at how this can apply to our church. But today, we're going to look uh, specifically, really, something really simple, how it can apply to each one of you. And, and I want you to have hope, okay? I want you to have hope. And, and I know that all of you come here, and there's certain things that just seem hopeless in your life. Uh, we all have those areas of life where we've kind of just given up. You know, it just seems like this is never going to work out. Uh, this particular thing is not going to be the way I think it should be, and, uh, and uh, it's going to kind of go in and out. That's okay. Is it childproof? Uh, <laughs> let me just bend it. So oh, there you go. There we go. And uh, duct tape, that works usually. Okay, Thanks. so I did okay. the exact opposite of what it needed for some reason. That's all right. You know, it, it's kind of nice because, thank you. Most people prefer when I fade out, so it's okay. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, is like this, uh, it's just this sense where there's certain areas of your life where you just kind of feel a hopeless sense. That there's not, uh, there's not uh, any, any way this, this situation's going to work out. And maybe it's a financial situation, maybe it's something with a relationship. 
Maybe it's something from your past that you can never fix and it'll never get uh, resolved. And it just seems like, okay, I've kind of given that up and I'm just going to kind of go on with the rest of life and I'm going to be okay with that. And so today I really want you to have hope. I really want to encourage you that there is hope. And uh, the title of this message is, I've Got This, signed by God. And this, uh, Joe and Liz, uh, Joe and Liz gave us this when we first got cancer. And it's kind of been on our fireplace mantle. It's, and you, you probably can't see it, but it says, I got this, and it's signed by God. And the reason I brought that is because there's a, there's a really subtle little thing in our lives where we, um, we uh, this Christian life is such a little subtle walk, okay? But it's huge. And, and here's what it is. So often we come into situations, and what we say is, I got this God, right? I got this God. And then all of a sudden we look up and we can't figure out why our life's such a struggle. And there's a whole nother twist to it when we say, from God, when God says to us, I got this. I got this. And so today I want you just to think about that situation that you seem to feel like there's no hope for, that seems very desperate, and I, and I just pray that you would consider that and let God tell you that he's got it, okay? As we're looking at Joseph's life, we're hitting this place of his life where, remember the story, of course, Joseph, uh, when he was 17 years old, was sold into slavery by his brothers. Uh, of course, he had these dreams that he was going to be the ruler over them and over his father and his mother, and, uh, and he was a uh, favored son, and his brothers hated him for it, and they, they re regretted, they resented him, so they ended up selling him off into slavery, um, and you can imagine the pain of human trafficking in our world, well, it was human trafficking in their world. Only his brothers decided to be the ones to take advantage of that, so they sell him off. He becomes a slave in Egypt, uh, at Potiphar's house. Joseph, a young man, a uh, teenager, prospers as a slave uh, until Potiphar's wife sees that he's kind of a hot young guy, and, and uh, she uh, tries to assault him sexually, and he flees, uh, and so he ends up in prison. But the whole time he's a slave, he kept his eyes on God. And basically, Joseph, I really believe, if you had the term, would say that he believed that God had this for him. Ends up in prison. As he goes through his time in prison, he ends up prospering, moving to the head of the prison. Ultimately, a couple of Pharaoh's officials are thrown in jail with him, one being a, the, the baker, one being the cupbearer, the one who tasted Pharaoh's wine. They had had these dreams, and Joseph was able, through God, to uh, interpret these dreams for them. And uh, he interpreted the dream for the cupbearer that he was going to be restored to Pharaoh's service. Of course, he said, remember me. Uh, and he uh, was restored to Pharaoh's service, and he forgot Joseph uh, for a couple more years. And so Joseph continues in prison until Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh's dream is basically they're going to have seven years of prosperity and then seven years of famine. And it's repeated, and it's very clear, but no one can interpret it. And at that time, then, his cupbearer remembers Joseph in prison and say, there's a young Hebrew there who can interpret dreams. Uh, you should get him. And so they call Joseph, and at this time, Joseph's about 30 years old, so he spent about 13 years of his life uh, as a slave and as a prisoner. And uh, he, of course, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and Pharaoh ultimately puts him in charge of the nation, really, second only to Pharaoh. So Joseph's running Egypt, and there's this incredible prosperity, and he saves for that, and then the famine comes, and there's starvation. And uh, all across the land, his brothers end up coming to Egypt because they need food, and they're reunited with Joseph. And this is when Joseph is about, um, you know, in his late 30s. It's 
probably been um, 20-some years since he's seen his brothers. And they're reunited with Joseph, and he, uh, he welcomes them into the country, and they go back and bring their father in, and their father lives there, and he ultimately lives there for about 17 more years uh, as a family unit, and then his father dies, okay? And so Joseph's father, Jacob, had died, and Joseph was mourning him and grieving for him, and that's kind of where we pick up the story. In verse 15, it's like when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead— they said, wow, what if Joseph's going to bear a grudge against us and pay us back for all the wrong which we had done? And so the very first thing that I want us to, to, to realize, the very first point, is like when you say, I've got this, God, the very first thing you should know is you should worry. Okay? You should worry. And I don't want to minimize that. I think you should worry. If you want to be in control of the future— of your finances, of your retirement, of everything that's going on in your life uh, financially, you should worry. I mean, things could be could bleak around here. You know, there's no saying that the economy's not going to crash. If you really think that you should be in control of your relationships and you should fix that relationship with your husband or your wife or your ex-husband or your ex-wife or your kids or your parents, uh, you should worry. You should worry about your children's future. Who knows what it's going to be like in America in the coming years? You should definitely worry. So if it's on your shoulders and, and you've got this God, you should worry. And, and the truth is, that's what we all face, is the face, the fact that we should worry. If we're going to worry about terrorists and coming and attacking us, you should worry if it's up to you to protect us. And yet we have this God who comes in and but God says this. God says, don't worry about anything. God says, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done, and then you will experience his peace, which exceeds anything we can even understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So if all of a sudden it goes from, I've got this, God, you should worry. But God steps in and says, you know what? I've got this for you, and you don't have to worry. If we take your situation and just give it to God and trust him about anything, you'll have his peace, which is really what we all need. So the very first thing I want us to realize, Joseph's brothers should have been worried, right? Man, guess what they did? They sold their teenage brother as a slave. And now all of a sudden their dad is dead and he has free reign to get vengeance on them, which they deserve. They should be worried, okay? They should be worried by all rights. And they were, okay? Just like if you and I are in charge of what's going on in this world and it's up to us to be God, we should be worried. But God comes in and says, don't worry. Just pray and you will receive peace. And all of a sudden, everything changes. The next thing we can see from them that we can learn regarding our lives, and in verse 16, they send this message to Joseph, and they said, well, your father charged before he died, and, and whether he did or not, we don't know that, whether they just said that or whether Jacob actually said that, but, but Jacob said before he died, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgressions of your brothers and their sin, 
for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgressions of your servants, the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And, and he wept. And his brothers came and they fell before him and they said, Behold, we're your servants. The second thing I really want you to, to, to get is that if you come in and say, I've got this, God, just realize you don't deserve forgiveness. You see, they didn't deserve forgiveness. Why should he forgive them? The horror that they had put him through over those years is unfathomable. The sense that you see even in human trafficking in our world and the pain that comes from that and to imagine that a loved one could sell one of their children or someone they love as a slave is, is, is horrible. It makes you sick. And that's what they did to their brother. They don't deserve to be forgiven. They do not deserve to be forgiven. There's no way they could draw it up that says, oh, we should be forgiven. And I'm telling you, every single one of you, you don't deserve to be forgiven either. Neither do I. And I think when we boldly put that in front of us, we realize, wow. And I just challenge you, don't compare yourself and your sins to Hitler, okay? Okay, compare yourself and your sins to Jesus Christ, and now come and tell me you deserve to be forgiven. You see, we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. This God who loves us, who's passionate about us, who died for us, we turn our backs on him over and over and over, and we do not deserve to be forgiven. We do not deserve it. We cannot earn it. But God, but God showed his great love for you by sending Christ to die for you while you were still sinners. Christ died for every one of our sins before we'd even committed them. Yeah, the ones for us in the past and the ones for us in the present, the ones for us in the future, he died for. That, that barrier between you and God has been taken away. That barrier sin has been removed, okay? It's been taken away at the cross. What keeps us from experiencing that forgiveness is simply unbelief. And it's not only initial unbelief, but it's unbelief as us believers coming and not believing that God has forgiven us for our sins because we don't deserve to be forgiven. But God has forgiven, and so instead we can be kind to each other. We can be tender-hearted. We can forgive each other just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. It's finished. Praise God, it's finished. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not cut away yet. And then God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it all away, and he nailed it all on the cross. So we don't deserve to be forgiven, but God forgave. We, don't, we should worry, but God says we don't have to. And next thing that I want to point out, as you look at these brothers in verse 19, Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for am I in God's place? And I just want to encourage you, if you are in God's place, if you think, I got this, God, that you should not forgive anybody. Okay? You should not forgive anybody. They don't deserve it. They do not deserve it. Anybody who's hurt you in the past, anybody who's caused you grievous pain, maybe it's a, a parent when you were young, maybe it's your friends who turned their back on you, maybe it's your business partners, maybe it's someone you work with, maybe it's someone you go to school with, maybe it's someone who's isolated, someone who's humiliated you, someone who's caused you incredible pain, and there's horrible pain in your world. You know what? You should not forgive. You should not forgive. They don't deserve it. Okay? They caused you an incredible pain. 
And you should be the one who gets the vengeance. You should wait until they pay. You should make them earn somehow their, their forgiveness. But they don't deserve it. But God, God instead chose you to be holy people who he loves. And so you can close yourself with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. You can make allowance for each other's faults. You can forgive anyone who offends you. Just as the Lord forgave you, so you also can forgive others. You see, when we realize that it's God who says, I've got this, and it's God who has already forgiven them, no one forgives sin but God alone. That's what he's trying to point out to the Pharisees when Jesus is living on the earth all the way to our time. He's saying to the Pharisees, if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. And they're freaking out because they're thinking, oh man, I can never forgive. Only God can forgive sin. And of course, Christ is thinking, you're right. You're right. And guess who's here? God is here, Jesus Christ. But, but they're freaking out. That's why when he heals the paralytic, right? When he, when he has him walk, he says, first of all, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Only God can forgive sin. God can forgive sin, and I am God. So just so you know that, why don't you get up and walk? <laughs> okay? That was nothing to him to get up and walk. Forgiving sin, only God can do. And God has done it at the cross. And he has forgiven those who have wounded you at the cross. Whether they've received his forgiveness or not, he has died for their sin. And we have the privilege of simply extending that forgiveness to them. God finally said you can be of one mind. You can sympathize with each other. You can love each other as brothers and sisters. You can be tender-hearted. You can be a, keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Because that's what God's called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So guess what? You should worry. You don't deserve forgiveness. You should not forgive. But God steps in and says, you don't have to worry. You've been forgiven. You can extend his forgiveness to those who have wounded you. And also when we come into life, and, and this is one of my deep theological thoughts, and uh, when, when you feel like, I've got this, God, you've got to realize that your circumstances do suck. Okay? And I've read a lot. Of, I've read a lot. I love to read. So I've read a lot of theologians, read a lot of stuff, and I've never heard anyone... <laughs> say that for probably good reason <laughs> probably really good reason but uh, you know what the truth is your circumstances do suck at times okay and I'll just put it in that's my terms and you know we can make it sound like oh everything as a Christian is going to be great and everything's good and, and everything is really but you know what everything is not always good matter of fact everything is painful from our perspective oftentimes. And, and, and it's painful from our perspective when we lose a job and we don't know how to pay our bills. It's painful from our perspective when we're sick and we don't feel like we can get through another day. It's painful from our perspective when our parents get divorced or when we go through divorce or when we go through the pain of that. It's painful from our perspective when all of a sudden there, there's like this, these wounds against us. It's painful from our perspective when we get fired, when we don't deserve it. It's painful from our perspective when we're isolated from our friends, when they make fun of us, when they hold us up, when we don't fit in anywhere, when we're lonely, when we're, we're all alone, but then we're also lonely. That's painful, okay? That sucks. That's hard. And, and I don't think we have to wash over that. From our perspective, these things are painful. But God, but God says, 
all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. God steps in and he says, get out of my chair, essentially. I'm God, and I am working this out for your good and for my glory. And you have such a limited perspective. Your perspective is that little dot between the dates on your tombstone. But my perspective is eternal, says God. I see the beginning and the end. This is not just about this little walk on this little lifetime on earth. This is about eternity. And everything is working for good. Everything is working for his glory. Everything is working so he will be exalted. So even though your circumstances at this moment seem to be terrible, you can know that God is doing something phenomenal in your lives. He's called you right here, right now for this purpose and put you in this place surrounded by these people in your lives, some of which have caused you great pain, some of which have caused you great blessing, and you're here for his glory and it's for good. And it's amazing when we just stop and realize that he's got this. He's got this. And even the temptations in your life, they're no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand. And when you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. I know we think often we're the only ones going through this horrible thing, and no one else has ever been through this. That's just not true. God knows, and he cares, and he's working it out for his glory and for your good. And we can rest in that. And even though our circumstances seem to be horrible, we can realize that every circumstance is really just creating a need in our lives. And and that need is just this shadow. It's just kind of this picture of, of what God has already provided, what he's already sent to take care of it. And so if we refuse to give ourselves over to God, we don't avoid the circumstance. We're still stuck in there. We just avoid the peace and the rest that we can have through the circumstances. That's what Joseph experienced. That's what Joseph got to experience. As for you... You meant evil against me, he said to his brothers, but God, but God, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Thomas More said this, to think my most, my best friends, to think, I better put my glasses on, to think my most enemies, my best friends, For the brothers of Joseph could never have done him so much good with their love and favor as they did with their malice and hatred. Imagine that. God took this young man, sent him as a slave to Egypt, and used it to turn the world upside down. And he not only saved his family, he saved millions of people. And God preserved this line of Israel, which ultimately became this line through which Jesus Christ came, which ultimately became the Savior of the world. This guy, Joseph, who was in circumstances we would say were horrible from the time he was 17 till he's 30. But then, of course, he has 80 years of prosperity. And essentially, that's really the truth. If you want a picture of your life, maybe those 17 to 30 years or your life on this earth, and you know the rest is going to be prosperous. You're going to spend eternity in heaven, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more anger, and no more sin. And it's going to be incredible. And that's what we have to look forward through, and that's what God is doing in our life. That's what he's weaving together. Even though we can't understand it, we can't fathom it, it is good. It is good, and it's ultimately amazing. So even though you should worry, you don't deserve forgiveness, you shouldn't forgive, your circumstances do suck, God steps in, and when he has this, you can rest assured that he has this. 
And finally, as we close, just realize if you think, I have this, God, I've got this, God, just realize you don't deserve provision. You know, we live in a, in a country that is really generous, a country that really cares about people, and we almost build in this mindset that you owe me, okay? And I just want to encourage you in a, in a kind of a harsh way that you don't deserve provision. None of us do. None of us deserves to live in the way we live, in this lifestyle the way we live. None of us deserves to eat lunch. None of us deserves to have every need met that we have met. None of us deserve it. And I tell you what, if it's on your shoulders to be God, if it's on your shoulders to be the provider, if it's on your shoulders to take care of all your needs, you don't deserve provision. It's purely by God's common grace that he pours out anything on any of us for any reason. He could wipe us all off this earth in a blink, and that's really what we deserve. But God instead steps in, and the same God who takes care of me, Paul says, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God is the provider, and we can step off of the throne and step off of his throne and trust that he has it, that he is your provider. And so no matter how bleak things look, God is the provider. We get so confused, often we think the employer who signs our check is our provider. It's a deception. God is the provider. And we can rest in that. He will take care of us. He's got this. <laughs> and that's really the simple thing I really want you to get, is that simple little slide right there. I got this, says God. You take your situation that seems so hopeless, you take your situation that you're walking through in this moment, in this day, in this season, maybe it's something from years, years, years gone by. And you can trust that God has it. And you can trust because Jesus Christ is alive. And when they had done all that the prophecy said about him, they took him down from the cross and they placed him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He's alive. And he is here and he is right here with you. And as you leave this place, he is right here with you. As you go forth to engage this culture, your world, he is right with you. And he has this. God has this. And so I just really want to encourage you as we take this, this, this scripture that goes like uh, years before. Verse 21 even says, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And Joseph comforted them and spoke to them. We can bring that into our world and realize that, that 4,000 years about later, it's still true. And we don't have to worry because God allows us to pray and have his peace. You don't deserve forgiveness, but through Christ you have it. You can extend his forgiveness to others. Even though your circumstances are tough, he will provide the way to get through it. And he is the provider. And we can bring Christ into all these things because he is here and he is alive. And as Christ lives through you, guess what? You will not worry. Guess what? You will accept his forgiveness. As Christ lives through you, you will extend his forgiveness to others. As Christ lives through you, no matter what circumstances you're going through, you can have his peace and his joy, and you can see his hand working. And as Christ lives through you, you get to experience his provision in ways you can never describe. And that's really what I just want to leave you with, that simple, simple message from your father that he's got you. He's got you. He's got you. Father, I pray that there would not be one person in here this day that would not just recognize that you have them in their arms, 
that you have them right where you want them, that you know exactly what they're walking through, and somehow you're turning it for your glory and for their good. And so, God, I pray that as we leave, we would take these things that seem so hopeless to us, these, seems that, these things that make us think that there's, there's no way we can pull this off, and we just admit we cannot. And so we surrender to you, God, and just uh, thank you that you do have this. And we just want to give you the glory. And so pray, Father, as we leave this place and we go out to engage this world, that you would live through us and that Christ would shine through us and we would be the lights that point others, others to the light, the true light, the amazing God of the universe. In Jesus' name, amen.